Welcome, citizens of the globe, to the Frontend Heroes podcast, where we discuss all things villainous and heroic about the front end of software development. My name is Evan Payne. I'm a senior front-end developer at Actimo, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Scott Francis, a senior front-end engineer at Porsche. How are you doing, Scott? Uh, really good. Uh, good to see you again, Evan. Um, like, super excited today, not least for the guest, uh, of course, but um, and to be recording the pod. But um, straight after, England are playing against Denmark in the Euro Cup mm-hmm. semi-final, which is like, well, I'm as excited as the last time we were in a, in a semi-final which was only like three years ago, but hopefully we win this one and, and actually go to the final. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that as well. Yeah, exciting times. And uh, I know nothing about sports, but even I'm aware of that. So pretty, pretty uh, cool, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, only if they win. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. I, I, the company I work for has uh, offices in Denmark. So uh, either way, I think it's good. So people okay. I know will be happy. <laughs> Right. So today's episode is sponsored by NetCentric, an award-winning Adobe Global Alliance partner and consultancy headquartered in Switzerland with offices all over Europe, as well as Pune, India. And they're currently hiring for a number of roles. So if you're looking, check them out. We're as ever so glad to have their support with this show. So today we have a guest. Uh, her name is Shande Person, um, UI engineer at SalesLoft and an instructor at egghead.io. Um, really glad to have you here. Um, Shande, could you maybe just kind of give an intro into uh, how you got started in front end and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. So um, I started in front end, like actually I avoided being any type of programmer, coder, anything like that for a long time. Um, When I look back on it, the signs were all there for a while. It was always where my interests were, was in computers. And I always loved problem solving, like math problems. I was one of those geeks that in school, like in school, I preferred to do the math problems or do the extra credit and things like that um, to to learn more. And just I, I just loved everything um, about it. And I use all of those skills a lot in front end right now. Um, when I was in school, I just thought that programming and computers were too nerdy for me, um, to say it plainly. And um, my dad was an engineer. It wasn't like I, was, I wasn't I was exposed to computers or um, engineering or anything like that, but I just didn't see it as a path for me. Um, what I thought, when, when it came time for me to decide on what my major would be in college, I decided on fashion design. Um, I don't really know why. Like I, I like to draw. Um, I liked art. And so I thought that that was a good use of my skills. And my mom told me that uh, she's a guy, she was a guidance counselor at the time. And um, I had been talking my whole life about how I wanted to be a veterinarian. And so she was like, okay, great. You know, you're going to be doctor person. That's awesome. Like I can live with that. Um, I can tell the family that and (laughs) everybody can be proud. But when I sprung it on her that I wanted to be a fashion designer, she was like, listen, I will not pay for you to go to college if, you decide that you're going to major in fashion. That's some some tough love. (laughs) Right, right. She's like, you know, she specialized in um, making sure that students of underrepresented groups got into college and were successful and helping to minimize the um, dropout rate for high school students. And so this was something that like, she was like, no, not my child, like not my baby. Like you're not going to do something, um, 
where she, I guess as a parent, she could see the bigger picture and see that I had all these different interests in these different areas. I had these skills in these different areas and the way that she thought of it, it just wasn't a good match for all of the skills that I had. Plus, you know, it's tough to, to do, to just break in and be like Vera Wang or something like that, just because you have a fashion design degree. So long story short, I went to school for business because I was like, all right, well, fine. I want to have a fashion design business. I'll go to school for business. Um, my major, my concentration was entrepreneurship and I had an entrepreneur professor who's an adjunct professor. He'd never worked for anybody in his life. And he told me that the best way to understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur is to go into a commission only sales job. And so that's what I did. I went and for two years, it was a hundred percent travel. And I was going from trade show to trade show, um, selling things. And I got into this whole, like, I found that I was really good at it. And it sales is a, um, it, it's, it's based off of soft skills. So I, had a lot of, I got a lot of practice in communication. Um, eventually, like it was probably two or three years into it, I got into software sales and I was selling to engineers. So um, I got into how to demonstrate a software product um, and explain it from in plain English, explain it in a way that anybody could understand. And um, when I started selling to engineers, I was working at a company. I was, I literally sold the software that they used to build rocket ships. I was selling to scientists like NASA was one of my customers. So part of the job was figuring out how to translate all of this engineer speak, all of this, um, like bifurcation and blah, blah, blah. Um, and translating it into a way that I could explain to my manager and say, okay, this is how much revenue we're going to get in based on this, or this is what we can expect. Like, these are the projections. This is where we should focus um, our sales efforts because this is where we're going to see the most, most growth potential in engineering. Um, so how does this tie into why I ended up in engineering? Um, I noticed that I wasn't, even though I was really good at the sales aspect of it, I was really more interested in what the engineers were doing with the product that I was selling. So it was a, it's a programming language called MATLAB um, and Simulink. So it's um, a math-based, C-based um, language. And there were engineers who were building rocket ships all the way to engineers who were measuring the size of oranges, like what combination of chemicals could create the largest oranges in, um, for farmers. So, and I was just like fascinated. There's so many things that you can do with this one language. Um, but still like all of the engineers who I was working with had CS degrees and degrees on degrees, like PhDs and PhDs in mathematics and, um, physics and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, there's no way that I'm going to go back to school. And this, that part of it doesn't interest me. Like, I don't want to go back to school for physics or anything like that. Like it was a cool course, but like, no. Um, so, <laughs> so I just kind of put it out of my mind. Um, I went. And I followed my passions for entrepreneurship and then started a business. Um, so I left the workforce <clears throat> and the business that I had was an online only business. And what I found actually most interesting, like what I thought it was going to be, again, leveraging my sales skills. But what I found the most interesting was actually customizing my Shopify website. So I had to learn Liquid, which is Shopify's Ruby based language to customize my website. And then it got to a point where um, people were reaching out to me like, hey, how'd you do that? Or could you like help me with this integration? Could, could I pay you to customize my website? And I was like, 
oh, well, yeah, I can make money doing this. Like, this is pretty cool, you know? Um, so I even thought about maybe pivoting the business um, and doing just like a, a web customization website or something or a Shopify customization um, company. And then I got pregnant and then I was like, okay, well, um, in the United States, health insurance is something that comes along with employment. So I had to go back into work and I went back to sales, but there was a still, still this bug had been planted in my head that I was like, you know what? I think I, like web development might be it. Maybe it's not rocket ship development. Maybe, maybe I could do websites. Um, that's something interesting to me. And then I saw this ad for Code Academy that said um, somebody commented and they were like, I didn't go to school for this. I'm self-taught. And I was like, oh, like this is what I've been doing. Like this is kind of the track that I've been doing. And I can do that, still have my, you know, still be a good mom, um, manage my responsibilities at home, still have my job. And until I'm ready to make the pivot, if I decide that I want to make the pivot. Um, and then I can just like test the waters a little bit and see what I like. If, if engineering is something for me. Um, and very quickly I realized like, okay, this is exactly where all of those skills get skill sets um, that I've been kind of building piecemeal along the way. This is the thread, like this is what ties everything in together. And so now not only do I get to practice with the problem solving and the art even, um, but now I also get to have opportunities to talk with people like you and leverage my communication skills and, um, practice my communication between like, how am I translating what the engineer is saying to our customers or how am I helping to teach other people how to use this language that, um, I've learned how to use. So, so I, I find that it's a perfect combination of everything that I love and I'm good at. So... I mean, Scott and I have been sitting here kind of like I've noticed doing the covering our mouths gesture because we want to jump in, not because uh, because there is so much to relate to there. Like 100 um, percent. I was on a similar path. Like I went to film school. I wanted to be this creative thing. And then over time, I found myself like building like websites for the film stuff. Uh, we had a guest on previously who, you know, Jason uh, Linksdorf, mm -hmm. who had a similar thing of doing a different thing and finding his way into this. And what is really interesting is the front end is such a personable place. It's not always that, of course, but you, you it tends to pull in these people that have um, a, a social aspect to the way that they work. Not always extroverts necessarily, but you know, like that they like to communicate, they like to show things that they build, and it's like you say, it's this nexus of of things. It's it's great to hear that thread perpetuating as we as we meet more and more people on the show. Yes, exactly, a hundred percent. Yeah, and I'm glad that's the first time that I've heard that um, connection being made. But yeah, that's absolutely true mm -hmm. for anybody that I've met. Like this is. I feel like what I love about the front end is like one, that instant gratification of, okay, I changed a thing. Now I can see what the thing looks like. Uh, but also because you are the face of everything else, like a lot of this other stuff happens behind the scenes. And I guess to relate it to film um, or drama, you know, you have the people who are doing all of this stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff that goes on um, in the back end, but if like the, the, the play is not, 
good if the what you see, what the customers see, yeah. um, fails. If they forget their lines or anything like that, if there's like a bug in the code, then that's what people are upset about. And when they see like a new UI interface that's beautiful, that's when people get the credit for, okay, yeah, this is a great product. But there is so much that goes on behind the scenes. But yes, we are that um, connection yeah. for the customer. Um, today's episode title, and this is not the best segue, but we'll have plenty to, to, to go into here. Um, I chose to call it Cyclops's visor. So if you know from X-Men, Cyclops wears the, uh, the visor because his eyes are so powerful that if he didn't, he would just shoot lasers at everyone and destroy everything around him. And, um, the bridge and the segue and the metaphor or allegory that I was going for there was that JavaScript is Cyclops's default vision. And JavaScript can be way too powerful. And so um, you have some interest and um, are putting together a course on TypeScript in specific. And TypeScript is this kind of a layer on top. And in, in this metaphor then is Cyclops's visor that gives you the control and allows you to maybe like lens it open a little bit to do the like, you know, precise laser, but pull it back if you want. So. That's what I want us to talk a little bit about. So maybe I've got to, I've got, I've got to say, great yeah. work there, great work there, Rev. I'm not coming up with that. It's so hard to find these you know, threads, but thank you. Oh my god! I need, this needs to go somewhere. Like I need a poster of this. That was really good. <laughs> That was really good. It'll be a meme. TS. <laughs> I'm impressed. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But if, um, you know, we want to talk some more uh, about this, maybe kind of um, how, how, where in your journey did you like first encounter TypeScript? And um, was it a gentle introduction or was it like, why do I have to be doing this? Maybe you can talk a bit about that. That was, that's a really good question. So it was not gentle. Um, how I encountered it, <laughs> how I encountered it, it's something that I have been avoiding for a long time because, um, okay, to describe myself in so many words, I am not big on rules. And that's why, like, I, I, I don't want to go into law or architecture or anything like that because it's just, you have to do things a certain way. Um, and so TypeScript to me is just like rules. It's like, you do it this way. Otherwise, I'm going to complain. And it needs to be exactly like that. And so that, like, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's too many errors. And um, I, at my current company, I just switched teams. But the team that I was on was, is in the process of spearheading this refactor of, uh, like, part of, the refactor is refactoring our legacy code from Angular 1 to React 17, um, probably 18 soon. And then um, also refactoring the React to, job, uh, to TypeScript. So I just kind of like was thrown into it, not in a sense like people were just like, okay, figure it out and, you know, come back to us when, when you've got it. But more just like, everybody here is on board with this. So you need to get on board too, if you're going to be successful. Nobody said that to me explicitly, but this is just the way that I felt about it. So I was like, all right, well, I really need to take some time and pay attention to this and figure out, first of all, why everybody loves it so much, um, and then figure out how to use it. And so I wrote an article on Dev2 called TypeScript, What's the Point? Because that was my question in the beginning is like, why are people 
such masochists. Like, why do you want, like, what's wrong with JavaScript? Why do you not want to, <laughs> why do you want to add some stuff to it that just gives you errors? Like it was working before. It's fine. Um, and now I see there's so many benefits to it. Like you said, okay, yeah, like Cyclops can have the vision. You can destroy everything <laughs> with it. But now we have a very scalable, maintainable product that um, is doc, like it has built in documentation. So when the next person comes along, it's not going to be so hard for them to figure out what was intended when this code was written. Or even for me, who forgets what I wrote a week ago, um, mm -hmm. now I can go back and be like, oh, that's exactly right. That's that's what I meant. So um, so I guess the first part of it was just me figuring out why everybody loved it and then I also um, wanted to take on this challenge of learning by teaching. And so as I learn more, I'm challenging myself by teaching it because I feel like, well, that's something my dad has always told me is that um, that's the best way to really show that you have a true understanding, but you get so much practice and really getting into the nitty gritty, nitty -gritty details when somebody asks you a question about what should I do yeah. here and why, or um, why are we making this big change for the entire company? So um, yeah, so that's how I got introduced to TypeScript and why I decided on the courses because it was something that I'm doing at work. Um, I, I, I will absolutely a... like layer on top, but Scott, yeah, I want you to talk a little bit a yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say, I think it's a really interesting approach um, and I'm really like interested to know like, a couple of things. Were you, did you had you done this th this type of thing before? Like I, I know you say that like learn you you learn by teaching, um, but had you put yourself out there like that with anything else like with the front end, or is this like was this your first like dip in the water for for trying this out? Yeah, this is kind of my first dip in the water, um, at least when it comes to technical things. So when I was in sales, I felt like a lot of the the stuff that I was doing was teaching. Like um, I'd be teaching people why they should change. I'd be really selling them on why they should use my product versus um, just keeping up with what they're doing or why they should use my product versus a competitor product. In some ways I was, um, in a lot of cases, teaching somebody about this new market. Like you have the status quo, this is what's working for you now. Um, just opening up this world and showing you like, okay, I'm just educating you on this space and what the product does um, and why you should use it. That was as technical as it got though. So um, I had the skills of presenting and putting together a slide deck and even like demoing a product, but I had not yet um, explained things from a technical perspective. And I felt like that was something that was lacking because as I looked at um, my portfolio of the things that I had done and taught, it was very safe and um, safe for me now, like me 10 years ago, probably not, but I'm happy. Like I can easily talk about careers. I can talk about my life and my path, but um, I hadn't actually taught anything that was like technical. And I was like, I have these skills, but um, let me see how I go. Like, let me see how I can do with teaching things that are super technical. And um, we'll probably talk about this, but I found that my favorite way of teaching is to teach through analogies. So I am teaching technical concepts, but I want to teach it in a way that is kind of like translating. Like I, I want to say it in a way that humans can understand. 
So not only do I benefit from teaching it and learning it deeply, but other people can benefit from making things more accessible and um, approachable for anybody to jump in. And, and I mean, that that is actually like what we are doing in our industry anyway, when we talk about design patterns and things like that, we're trying to find these you know, metaphors or, or ways of explaining a complex thing through something else. And we now we call them factories. And you're like, is that the best thing you could come up with for that pattern, really? Um, you know, uh, and there's only a handful that, that, that people end up hearing about as well. But no, I, I, I really, uh, I think you're absolutely on the right track there. Uh, in that is a, a very accessible way to teach. And I also like your origin story in that you learned the soft skills first. So many of us, I think, come into the industry, figure, get our footing, figure things out. And then by the experience within the industry, we get more comfortable, which means we do more teaching to our teams and whoever else is around us. And then we step in and develop the soft skills. And you kind of did it in reverse. I think that's amazing. So um, yeah. to segue briefly, though, Scott, have you used TypeScript yet, like since we were doing Angular to beta back in the day no no I, no i haven't um actually this i haven't it was like I, so i went into typescript and then uh went out um <laughs> not because not honestly not because like i didn't like it um but because um we were just using an, an older code base one of the things that i did think about before i left the last company was maybe we should transition um like we should refactor everything and go into typescript and it's also something I felt like maybe we should do this like straight away. So at the moment, um, I'm working on a um, like a CMS solution, um, but writing View three components. Um, and it was one of the things I thought. Well, actually, this is a consideration. Now we should perhaps refactor this. Um, I still think that it could be a possibility. To be honest, it probably won't be my decision because um, like. Roles are roles are changing all the time, and um, it could it, so it could be still be something that happens. But I'm totally not against it, and I'm t- actually I'm more in favour of it because of the benefits that it does bring. Everything that you mentioned, like the um, actually being able to to see your errors before you run. I mean, like we all love the speed of the fast uh, of the front end, right? Like it, it compiles, you see you see your changes, but but obviously with JavaScript that also comes with the cost of things will compile and then it doesn't run and you're like okay so now i look in the console for an error and find that if you get that beforehand then i mean that's a huge advantage for for a developer so it's i i really do see the benefits of it i mean i i I think there are a lot and so like i mean i'm the worst maybe because there's going to be no counterpoint for you on the show i think we're both like sold on it but like the, the one thing that uh, I always use as an example is, you know that painful moment <clears throat> when you're passing data around the app and you're using objects, especially, you know, they have a lot of properties and, you know, you can sometimes pass through some arguments and then some other times you combine those and then it passes off to something and you're literally passing the data around to four different files. And then it, it comes from the first place from an API call from your backend and your backend is who knows what language it's in. And you as a front-ender then have to go into your dev tools 
unless you have Postman working or some other thing that's, you know, helpful or there's a swagger file. But let's say you don't have that. Your backender just pushed to the branch and said, it's, it's working. And you're like, okay, so you try it out. And then you go into the dev tools, look at the network response, see that there. And you're like, oh, there's like four extra properties, which I didn't know we had. That's helpful. But seriously, you like, you should have told me. If you just had the ability to like tell your backenders to write out the interface for that like response or even better work in a shared like monorepo or something where you can share the typescript definition between the two places where the code is suddenly it's like it's right there in your ide at your fingertips and you can choose not to use a property or access it you can emit one and use a partial whatever it might be it's just the safety net you have which is like again it fits super well into the superpowers it gives you control uh over crazy crazy old javascript which is great you can still yeah. do magic things but um you know sometimes you shouldn't <laughs> and, right, and you right. should keep control so yeah 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 one thing i really like about it is it kind of changes the way that at least for me it's changed the way that i think about my code and i kind of map things out differently in my head even before i put things on paper because i'm not thinking about okay, this variable needs to be equal to that. Um, I'm thinking like long-term when you talked about passing things in from component to component, component, like this is your future. This is like what I see your path. When you grow up the variable, you're going to do this, 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 and this. Um, I see all that now. And so it makes my code just so much stronger. It's just like this Teflon tough code. Um, and all of these different edge cases are have been worked out um, and thought through. Even you know, like hey, I'm passing in a variable to a function. It's like TypeScript is telling me this could possibly be undefined, but I'm like, no, it's never going to be undefined. But it could be undefined. Like who knows? But it just makes sure that I cover every single edge case. And so um, it's great as I'm working on teams and sales loft. We're growing. We're hiring. New people are getting onboarded and things like that. And I don't have to go back and try and remember what I did before. It's just like, it's already there. It's locked in and there's no way that, not no way, but um, it's harder for you to just mess it up. Um, what's already there. So I love it. I'm a fan. So I, let me ask, yeah. let me ask both of you then, like, cause you're both like, you're both super fans of TypeScript. Um, <laughs> like, do you find it easier than like just picking up on that last point? to go back over your code and know exactly what it's supposed to do. Like, because one of the things I think any coder comes to is like four or five months down the line, I'm being charitable there, probably four or five weeks <laughs> down the line, you come back and you're like, I don't know what this is supposed to do. Like, I don't know what I'm passing in here. Where does this come from? What should this be? Like, so it completely cuts this out, like I'm guessing. And that's why you would not go back to writing like normal JavaScript. Not a hundred percent. So there is, there are still instances where um, I coded and I was like much more clever two weeks ago than I am today. And I'll go back and I'll be like, wait, what, what is this? Um, but it does like, for example, if I have an object that's typed and um, so what that means is just like an object that let's say it's for an airline, I have the ticket person's name or whoever's buying it, the passenger's name, email address, and the ticket number. I know exactly what 
that is supposed to be like, I know I, I can hover over and say, okay, this is type passenger. And from any other file, if I'm working on something completely different, but kind of related to the passenger file that I was working on before, I can just hover over it and see, okay, th these are all the different properties on, on um, passenger. And so instead of having to like go back and find the file and, um, you know, try to figure out like backtrack and figure out what I did and console log passenger so that I can figure out what's exactly on there. It's all just right there. So I just hover over it and um, that's there. So it gives you, I guess, more added context. It's not really going to explain in a way that's like, Shande, you meant exactly this. It just helps to give you more added context um, that you don't have to console log as much, mm -hmm. at least for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, um, that's absolutely the case. It doesn't help protect you against kind of like renaming default imports from one file to another, which can kind of mess with you a bit too, where you like, you pull a class in, but you rename it and you're like, why would you do that? Don't just, just t call it something and export what it's called. Like stop. Uh, anyway, that always has driven me crazy. And um, it doesn't help when you have dynamic uh, keys uh, within the objects or rather it's really easy to use that and it turns into a bug. So essentially, if you have a TypeScript interface, which has like name is a string and age is a number, and then you have some dynamic fields. So you put these brackets around the key, which will be a string and the value will be whatever it might be. Suddenly that whole interface is any, it might as well just be any, it can take anything. So it's, you've, Yes, you'll still know that name is there in a string, but you can type N-A-M-Y as a typo and it won't protect you against that typo because you have that final, you know, any anything goes inside here. So it's not ironclad, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it gets rid of a whole host of other things which you would have to be vigilant and watching over your code base without it. So I think it's a worthy trade-off. Yeah, so um, one thing I wanted to bring up. So we're talking with adoration about TypeScript, and I guess a lot of us and our listeners use VS Code, and many of us are on GitHub, and uh, maybe see where I'm going with this. Um, Microsoft came out with, uh, or GitHub came out with this uh, CodePilot, Copilot thing um, using GPT-3 or whatever, and one microsoft is like now up all up in our lives <laughs> um <laughs> and you know coming from a, an early mac convert right like there were apple computers in my house early on my first pc was certainly a windows but um as soon as i could get my own laptop i got a mac and i have never wanted to go back so but I mean, these are different things but it's just interesting to see how the development community has shifted to embrace what was previously a kind of, maybe we stay a little bit away from um, company. And now there's this new thing that comes out. So just to discuss, I mean, feel free to pick up on any thread within there, but I want us to talk a bit about that because it's a hot topic at the moment. Yeah, so um, I'm actually um, part of, I, I guess it's called the beta, but um, I'm part of it. And so I have access to it. I've used it a little bit and it's super cool. Um, I think one thing that, so it's it's very helpful in helping you to get, in, like I've seen people doing things from CSS 
to regex, like all kinds of cool stuff from it. Um, there are speculations on how it works and, you know, people, there's arguments about whether or not it's good, bad, ethical, or if we're all going to get out of a job. But I think what I've seen the most posts about, um, about it is fear that this is going to take away jobs for developers. And my response to that is no. Um, there have been a ton of times, especially in the sales world too, like people thought that AI is going to take away jobs. Like um, when the chat bots and things like, this is on, on the sales side, when those chat bots became really popular, salespeople were like, oh my God, we're going to lose our jobs and everything. If you think back to, I mean, at the time that was really exciting, but like people don't want to talk to those AI bots now. Like it was really cool then, but there's no way that AI would put people out of a job. It just helps us to get a little bit further. So I think of it as the next step. You know, this is um, something like we all used to have to use VHS and we took all this effort to rewind. Then there were DVDs and then, you know, it's easier to rewind. So this is just like a building block. And so we have the next technology and we can use that to become better developers. So I honestly, I don't think there's anything to worry about. Like I think the possibility, like it makes more possibilities for the things that we can do. It takes out a lot of the um, baseline fundamental stuff that we spend a lot of time just thinking through the small regex stuff. Um, the or like big stuff that you would usually have to use Stack Overflow to do and will help you to get more either context or uh, new, um, what's the word? Just different ideas for ways to try, to try different things. So um, I learn a lot through doing code reviews and seeing the way other engineers think and put functions together. And I'll think like, okay, this is the way that I would have put it together, or I would have did this a little bit differently, or, oh, that's really cool. Like, this is a new way to do it. So I think that if it's true that GitHub is using other engineers, like kind of scraping, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. Like, I, don't, I really don't care, like if they're scraping my um, code or anything like that. But if they're scraping an engineer's code to figure out like the AI that goes into this, um, I think it's cool that now we have access to, okay, hey, I'm looking for a function. Is email valid? And instantly, instead of having to search Stack Overflow, I can just like put it into my GitHub Copilot and get a solution. And I'll build off of that. So um, yeah, and as I say it now, I think like, would Stack Overflow put us out of a job? Like, would you be afraid that Stack Overflow, you know, it's kind of the same thing. Like, it's just code suggestions. Um, in my opinion, but uh, maybe I'm missing something big. What do you What do you think about it? I I am um, honestly like there's two things that I would just like to like the job losses thing. Like developers worrying about job losses has always made me laugh. Like <laughs> like it's always made me laugh. Partly because I think like of all the professions to be in, like the like we'd probably be the last out the door, like of like any profession. And we worry about like, oh, is this going to take our job? When we've spent like the last 20 years developing like the internet and re and destroying like destroying like banking and, and travel agencies and stuff like that and called it disruption. Um, so, yeah, so like to, to start worrying like, oh my God, they're going to take our job when we've just like 
um, revolutionized industries that have been around forever and cost people their jobs. Um, it's kind of weird. But um, the other thing is, like, I can't help but think if Microsoft is involved in this and, like, I going back to like the the uh, the assistant the paperclip that used to jump up on Word, right? And so I, I, I'm just imagining like having in my having my IDE and and something popping up saying it looks like you're trying to write a function. Oh, <laughs> oh no! Yeah. I hope that doesn't happen. I really want that to happen. I think that would be so funny. Well, someone will write that oh, as no. well. Like that's that's too that's too comedy gold. Like maybe Cassidy or Williams will do it or something like that. <laughs> Someone's got yeah. to please. That's a great idea. My, I, I I saw someone you know posting as well saying you know oh you know are you worried about this or not and some people are I get that. The thing is, like I remember my computer teacher back you know in the nineties was telling us how he his first software that he wrote he had to like fill out a punch card and mail it in and then they gave him back the mail like three weeks later a circuit board so he could run his program on his computer like that was like early computer days and it feels like that's the same thing it's like well don't you want to speed that up like don't you not want to have to set up and type all of the stuff to make a reduce like an array reduce work like every single time wouldn't you like to have a little help coming up with a name for that thing? Because it's hard to name things, you know? Um, and it is just prompts right now. Maybe it'll write code, but we're always good at that, right? We piece things together. Humans in general are good at that, taking these diverse concepts and melding them together into something new. It's exciting. It's fun. Shakespeare made up all these words and things, you know? He's, I, I think it's going to be great. My concern is just with the actual thing that runs behind it being a proprietary thing. Um, mm. So the the thing is Microsoft licensed exclusive use of the GP3 algorithm thing that does all the piecing together. It's super smart, but they're the only ones that get to use it in like proper software. People can experiment with it, sure, but they can make commercial products based on it and no one else gets to. And that's like, ugh, I don't know. I don't like that because that puts... It, it turns this into a money-making thing, and it always bothers me when you have these open-source things, you have these great initiatives, things being given away for free to empower people, and then you have this like, ah, but maybe 10 years from now, who knows? And you just, mm -hmm. ah, it makes, it makes, it worries me. That's what worries me more than anything. And, you know, this is nothing against Microsoft in particular. That's just you know, capitalism at its finest, um, but something food for thought, you know, that's like a, to be a downer. Yeah. Yeah. And I do know that they, there's something on their website that says that they will be, it will be a paid service at some point. So I don't know what that will look like, but yeah, Microsoft is for profit. So it's not, um, yeah. not surprising, but yeah, it's, We'll just have to see. I, I don't know. I can't even speculate on it. It's we'll see. <laughs> see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And you know, at the end of the day, in the meantime, it's going to inspire people. People are going to put new things together. And you know, I'm sure someone is out there working on an alternative AI sort of engine. Um, there's always, I hope, going to be a Firefox to the Chrome. You know, 
Um, right. I, I just believe that. Like, there's nothing new under the sun anyway, because everyone tries it. I saw that in a small town in Ireland where we lived in. You know, one person has a photo gallery, and it's a really small town. Like, in the, like, 20-kilometer radius, there were only a 1,000 people that lived there. And they had a nice, like, high-end photography gallery. Someone else decided to also open a nice high-end photography gallery in this impossibly uh, small town. And you're just like, really? But guess what? <laughs> they managed to coexist. You know, people travel into Ireland, love to buy photos of the place. So it works. And, you know, I think our, our web can uh, carry on that way too. That's awesome. That's good to hear because it's one thing that um, has been top of mind for me a for a long time is just, um, especially with like teaching people to code, teaching TypeScript or writing a blog post about everything. A lot of people are afraid that, okay, well, somebody's already taught this or somebody already has a React course. Somebody already has written a blog on why TypeScript. And um, that's kind of the response is like, there's, there's enough room out there. If you can have two high-end art galleries in a small town in Ireland. That's very specific example, but <laughs> yes, there can be more than one course for React. There can be more than one blog post about using GitHub Copilot. So I love that you said that. Those galleries were probably run by like a husband and wife. They probably just like they probably were running this. The, the yeah, they were just they were just running the first one, and then like the wife said, "This guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. I'm going to go into competition with him." Amazing. Um, the the uh, final sort of topic question that I want to go into, although we can talk as long as we want to about that, is um, you've been putting together this course and doing technical teaching. I've wanted to do that, but I always. It, it, it's really hard wanting to do well, like being a person that, you know, like I wrote an article uh, for, you know, one of the, like our, for Scotch or for CSS tricks, and it took me ages to do. It wasn't like a fast thing, you know, because I want to make sure I'm doing everything exactly correctly. And with the course, especially like an egghead course where it's longer form, trying to figure out how to break it down and put it together in such a way that it's still accessible, but you're hitting everything you need to and, and so on. How have you approached that? So transferring your knowledge in a very specific course kind of way. This is a good question. So, and I have an answer for you. So um, the benefit of working with Egghead is that, and at this time is that they came out with this course club. And I guess I'm the, I was part of the second um, cohort of this course club. And so they said, for six weeks, we are going to work with you on building an outline for your course. And I was like, are you serious? Like six weeks for an outline? Like, how does that even make sense? Like, I can I can list out the topics that I want to talk about. And they were like, no, 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 you're going to learn some stuff. And so I learned so much. Like, part, this course was there were different courses that were part of this course club. Um, so part of it, we went through Amy Hoy's sales safari to learn about how to, she calls it read customers' minds. Um, and basically think of, instead of the stuff that you want to teach, like, okay, I'm teaching TypeScript, I wanna teach about types, generics, blah, blah, blah. She says, 
look at what people want to learn. What are people getting confused about? And just go on this safari to figure out what your customers are saying. So that's where I came up with this um, TypeScript, what's the point blog? Um, Because like a lot of people had the same questions that I did, like why? Like why isn't JavaScript good enough? And so I started thinking less about, okay, what does me, Shande, need to learn? And more about like what do... Any, what does anybody that's learning TypeScript need to learn? And that's how I kind of landed on this niche aspect, of, niche-ish aspect of it, where this is the course is called TypeScript for JavaScript Developers, ts4js.com if you want to sign up for updates. Um, and so it helps to answer the questions for folks who are using JavaScript. One, why? Two, how? Um, if I'm going to start a, Java, a, a TypeScript um file program from scratch, how would I do it? But if I'm stuck in a situation like Shande where I have to convert this legacy code base from JavaScript to TypeScript, this is how I would do it. And then from there, all the different questions that took place along the way. So through this course, um, not only did I learn how to figure out what the course is about and like refine it, but we also broke down, okay, this is what the user needs to know. Um, this is like this is what would make it a successful course after they came out and they knew all these topics, this would make it successful. And then this is an example that we can build throughout the course. You know how every course has like, okay, let's talk about blah, blah, blah. Sorry, that's very, that's not specific. Let's talk about like how to build a, a store, um, a, 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 an online store or something, right? Okay. Um, so you put together this example that connects all of these different topics that you're going to teach. So I want to teach about types. The example in mine is um, airlines. So that's where that idea came from. But um, airline tickets and the types of aspects of for a passenger, the strings and the booleans and the numbers and all that stuff. And um, we can feed all of these different topics into this one example. And then they also teach you how to teach um, so what I'm working with them on now is just how to write the copy for the um, each of the course sections, like what makes a good course uh, copy, like what's a good explanation, um, not only from the SEO perspective, but that's part of it, but like how, what can people expect when they, when they watch this video? So, um, and then also refining what I'm talking about. So making the each section succinct by instead of um, let me give you an example. So instead of one uh, section, right. That's about what kinds of things do I need to type in TypeScript um, instead of talking about what kinds of things do I need to talk about in type or what kinds of things do I need to type in TypeScript? Well, there are this, 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 and this, that part, I save that instead of like actually recording the video and of me saying that I just put that into the course description. So like just like little nuances, like this is what you should include in the video. This is what you should include in the course description. Um, all the different things that I hadn't thought about, uh, is part of what I've learned in that course. So, um, but then Evan, you're right. Like there is so much stuff that like reco recording um, any video for me is it takes forever to figure out what I'm going to say to get it right. I have to do it 50 million times. Oh, my mouse was too shaky or I clicked on the wrong thing and this error popped up. Um, so it's stressful. And then 
all the research that goes behind everything. But I think like going to doing this course club with them helped me to kind of refine my thoughts and build out this outline um, that made sense. And I, I, I think the process made it a lot easier where instead of like actually putting the outline together as the first thing, first figure out like the broader topics and then narrow it down and then um, get your example together and then put your outline together. So it's kind of backwards, at least for me, like my intuitive thinking was like, start with TypeScript and then just whatever is on um, the TypeScript website. I'm just going to go through and like talk about each thing line by line. Um, It's not how it's going to, that's not how it's going to be at all. So (laughs) yeah. Um, So yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, but overall I just got that good support from Egghead. Go ahead. What I really like about that is that it, it echoes a lot of other things that often happen in our industry, which is you run into some people that know a lot about their little area of expertise and are willing to share that. Now, obviously, Egghead is going to make some money off of your course, too. That's great. That's a win-win as far as that goes. But, you know, like it is they've gathered their expertise. They do know what works and that they're able to not just kind of like, please get this done for us. But no, we'll help you. We know these things that you haven't encountered yet. Obviously, you haven't because you've even if you have done some courses or instructive things before, it's going to be one to like 100, you know, like um, and you see that in other areas as well, where people are willing to go on YouTube or podcasts or wherever and share their experience. So give other people a little helping hand up. I just love it. I think we're in a, a really good industry, I have to say. And I say this almost every episode, but I, I do. I think it's true. <laughs> you do have a tremendous amount of enthusiasm for the industry. <laughs> like you do really like it. <laughs> that's good. That's a, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, you're in the right place. But yeah, yeah, I, I do appreciate that. And I can say like in the sales, on the sales side, it's not like that. It's very individualistic. Um, and the advice that you get about sales is, I hate to say this because it sounds like I'm knocking um, sales, which I'm not, you know, I respect it and I appreciate everything that I've learned from that industry. But a lot of the people that you see who are the teachers and the bigger um, names, the loudest people are part of this hustle culture um, where the stuff that they're promoting is a lot, is very self-serving and they make it sound like, okay, you should be doing all this extra craziness, um, but never really give you any specifics on how to get, um, where they are, or, um, it's not really helpful. It's more of just a lot of pressure to do something without like actual specifics and how to, how to get there. But I appreciate in tech, everybody is just like, kind of, okay, you know, I want you to be here too, or I want to just like help other people. So let me like, let me tell you everything. And, um, I'll be honest with you. These are the mistakes that I made. This is, um, all the challenges that I incurred across the way. And, specifically this is like documentation for how i lived my life and um you can either take what parts of it that you you like that resonate with you or just leave the whole thing um so it's it's very different it's really refreshing so i agree with you evan 
Right. So we're getting to that time of the show where we want to head towards wrap. But first, we have our segment, True Hero. In this segment, we like to highlight a few of the true front-end heroes that are working across the planet and to thank them for all that they do. So this time around, Shande, you uh, recommended uh, Will Johnson, who is uh, working for Egghead as well. Can you tell us a bit about um, why you think that he's appropriate to call out for this? Yeah, and I promise I'm not sponsoring Egghead or anything. I know they came up a lot in this. <laughs> um, but Will is just amazing. So when I talk about those people who um, just lift up others in the community, he is the first person that I think of. Um, he is a person that has said that he wants to help other people. And he proactively does that, just reaches out to help people um, just to talk and uh, just an incredible, awesome human being. And I consider him what's called the plug. Like he's <laughs> well-connected and he helps other people get in touch with other people. Like, okay, I see you're trying to do this um, here. You should talk to this person. Do you want me to make you an introduction? And then we'll just go ahead and make that introduction. And then now you have a new partner, a new friend, a new um, person to be on a podcast with. Like just amazing. Um, and he does so much giving and I, you know, he, he doesn't, ask for anything in return. But um, if he did, there'd be so many people just be like, take it, just, you got it. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so Will, thank you again for all that you do. We appreciate you immensely. So um, finally, any proper hero is a well-rounded one. And so we want to share some simple musical uh, and or other picks. So Scott, what's the favorite thing you've been listening to lately? <laughs> Go on, I'll give you a, I'll give you a pick, uh, a music pick this time. Um, I have been reading, and but this um, in the last couple of weeks, I actually managed to put my headphones on and do some coding, like and could actually just write some stuff whilst listening to some music. But I went back to like the early two thousands and listened to a band who I used to be obsessed with, called the the Libertines. Um, who were pretty like minor band really in the grand scheme of things, um, but they had a couple of years of like notoriety and they made two like really really good albums. Um, so I was okay. listening to "Up the Bracket" by the Libertines. Okay, awesome. Well, check it out if you're interested. Um, Shande, how about you? So I've been listening to a lot of um, hip hop instrumentals lately for coding and um so one i want to shout there's actually two that i'm gonna um cool. suggest as my picks so there's black violin and they are a hip-hop violinist duo amazing so anything by them is just awesome but they they do some covers of some of the um classical classics but with a hip-hop twist on it and that's really good but then they also have some originals that are awesome and then Brass Tracks, they're a, um, I think it's all horns, but mostly trumpets. So it's a duo and they mostly do covers for the stuff that I've found, but there are a couple of really good songs that they have. So they have like um, old school R&B type of um, covers that they've done, but just with like trumpets. And then I think there have been some originals that I've heard, but everything that I've heard from them is just like, really good so highly recommend. really cool uh, i'll check those out uh, it sounds like a genre i haven't gone into so I always appreciate that 
Um, and from my side, yeah, I was listening to an episode of Song Exploder the other day, and um, Tune Yards came up. And so I want to recommend an album from 2018 of theirs or hers. Well, I guess it's theirs. Uh, I Can Feel You Creep Into My Private Life is the name of the album. There are just some really good tracks on there. It's really interesting. I love the arrangement and the vocals. And yeah, um, she's she's the lead of that is an amazing artist all around. Um, so yeah, that's my pick for this time. Um, I've been listening to that. Great. So it looks like that's all the time we have for today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you should like, heart, or star us in your podcatcher of choice. Reviews and ratings are how those fancy algorithms help people to find our content, and the power to help is within you. If you have any questions or topics you want covered in our episode, um, send us a tweet to us, at Heroes Front End. We'll add it to our list. Until next time, Heroes, remember, with great front-end power comes great responsibility. See you next time.